We good, we good, we good, we good. Yes, we are good. This is episode 19 of that One Vatos podcast. And my next guest is a Southside legend. He is also the father of an incredible basketball player. One of the best players to ever come out of San Antonio. Mr. James Brown. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm uh, living, trying to get over the, trying to get by all this negative uh, COVID and ready to hit reality again. But uh, I look back and I'm just so glad that at the times that when I was a little bit young and raising my kids, we was able to get out there and touch one another and play a lot of ball and do things. And I play so much ball myself and with my son all the time and my daughter and my nephew and the whole neighborhood. And their whole goal was to beat me. <laughs> they couldn't stand that I could beat them all. And uh, we played one-on-one, twos-on-two, threes-on-threes, and I, I just wear them out. So when did you first touch a basketball? I probably touched a basketball when I was three or four years old, but I didn't like basketball that much. Uh, my brother was the basketball player. He's 10 months older than me now. He was awesome. And I had to play just on the simple fact that he played, and then me and him would fight all the time because he wasn't taking no noise, and then I wasn't going to take no noise, and so we got tough on the court. But when I found out that my love was in the boxing and wrestling and uh, really all a lot of the other sports, but my brother was so good that he liked me on his team because I was a hustler, a rebounder, and I can assist. And he, I didn't have confidence in me shooting because he could shoot so good, he'd get 35, 40, 50, 60 points a game. I mean, he that's just how good he was. So it took my confidence of shooting. And I didn't realize I could shoot when he wasn't around. And when I moved to San Antonio, he wasn't around. So I started going to the gym, and I discovered that I had a shot. And I just fell in love with it. I got addicted to basketball. Yeah, I had to play four or five days a week. And so I would take my kids with me all the time to the gym. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a relief of taking the pressure, of tension, of getting a lot of stuff up, getting out there running and sweating and elbowing. It made me a better husband. It made me a better father. It made me a better person because I didn't have a lot of stuff built up physically. I can get all that out on the court. But where'd you, where, uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Utah. So you grew up in yeah. Utah? I grew up in Utah, stayed there, went to uh, junior high, high school. But I went to Oklahoma when I was eighth grade to stay with my grandmother. Uh-huh. And that's when I learned wrestling. Oh, okay. And uh, you had to wrestle when you was in Oklahoma in junior high school. In your PE classes, they match you up for sizes and weight and throw you out there on a mat. Wow. And if you didn't know how to wrestle, you were just going to get beat. Yeah. I was always competitive in other sports, and I was always in the boxing since I was in diapers. Yeah. That I hated to lose, mm. but I didn't know how to wrestle. So that turned me, when I was in eighth grade, to say that I'm going to learn this sport 
And uh, once I picked up on that sport, when I went back to Utah in ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade, I was undefeated. Couldn't hardly, be, couldn't nobody hardly beat me. But there was an eleventh grader who could beat me. When I was in ninth grade by one point, and there was a senior that can beat me. But then I started beating eleventh grader once I got at tenth grade, and he became a senior. I started Ross and varsity. Now the other guy. Mendez, he just he was just so outsmart, so smart, he outsmarted me. Yeah. And uh, then he graduated, so I fell in love with basketball, with uh, uh, wrestling, but I still loved playing ball. But in high school, they're in the same season. Oh. Uh. See, when 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 you're playing basketball practice and games, you have wrestling too. Yeah. And so I had to make a choice. And uh, wrestling was my thing. Wow. My brother played the high school ball. When, when you were in Oklahoma, uh, did the name Jim Ross ever? Name sounds familiar, but. Oh, okay. He's like a famous commentator for WWE. Uh, but he's he's known as a, as a boomer, Oklahoma Sumer, boomer guy. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, like he, he, his whole life stems back to Oklahoma. Um, but what was it like being a minority in Utah? Uh, it was tough, but I just think for my parents didn't teach us to be prejudiced or hate on nobody. So when I was playing a lot of sports in school, a lot of the real, uh, 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 the white kids that was rich white kids, they was taught to be prejudiced. The more a lot of their parents was prejudiced and they didn't want their kids to hang with us or be around and so by playing sports we become kind of friends mm. I couldn't go to their house and let the parents know I was really hanging with them oh wow but we would sneak and hang together and when their parents go on vacation I'd go to their house and I would and, and they was rich so I could go to their swimming pools yeah. their private swimming pools their tennis courts and we would just have fun. But the bottom line was that there, they were trying to not be prejudiced and they treated me well. When I was going out getting jobs, I went for the state reform school and that's a junior prison. Before you go to prison, you go to reform school and you try to save kids. And so I would try to be there uh, helping kids out and my supervisors, was a couple of people and director was people that I went to school with. So they knew me and I had a good job and I worked with the kids and uh, they treated me well. They really did. They, I, I, I have friends with them today. I got to get a hold of them. I ain't served for years, but they was, we became real close, you know. But I tell anybody, if you teach your kids to be prejudiced or mean or evil, and treat people different, what's going to happen, eventually those kids are going to grow up, and whether they be around you or not, they're going to be the opposite of what you think they are. And that's why it's not good to do your kids that way because they're going to realize that, you know what, we're all alike, and I like these people. They're cool. And so eventually what has happened now is a lot of the – younger whites 
has accepted a lot of the blacks. And so they're, they're willing to do anything to let a black person know they're all right. Yeah. So the best opportunities are now for blacks, Hispanics, through a lot of the whites, the younger ones, because their parents told them we, you know, we was different. They find out through life that, hey, they cool. I like them. So it helps out. It helps out in the long run. You can't keep nothing from Jesus. Yeah. Eventually, everything's going to open back up. So since you loved basketball, you loved wrestling, who was your team? What team did you root for growing up, like basketball-wise? I didn't fall really to no team until 1980. Okay. And when there, when, when 1980, I was uh, Michigan with, with – uh, uh, with Magic Johnson, and I was just hoping he could beat Larry Bird in Larry Indiana. Bird, Indiana. Yeah. So I always remember that, and that's when I started really watching. So I watched them going to the league together, to the NBA together. Yeah. And it's always been a rivalry. But I love their rivalry. They changed the whole air of sports. Yeah. Because when they was going in at 6'10", 6'8", Hand on the balls, guards, and shooting their butts off, and and changing the whole way of way basketball was, and uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, and then here, when I was in San Antonio, my team was the Iceman. Kirby. Iceman was my was my boy, but I watched him and Dr. J come from ABA. Uh, yeah, the New Jersey. Yeah. And Dr. J went to Philly. And Iceman came here, and I used to love to watch both of them play. And uh, Spur wouldn't been the Spur went for the Iceman. Yeah. You know, but he couldn't do it by himself, and they never got the championship. But I remember when he would even keep the league going like three or four years, he'd get the most scoring championship. Cool. Who do you feel like uh, was one of the most underrated Spurs 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 players on those Gervin teams? There was a lot of guys that were they were pretty bad dudes and they were kind of overlooked. Well, you could take uh, back then. You could take Silas, Johnny Moore. Her Keenan was a was a bad dude. Keenan. Uh, you remember Oberdink? Nah. Uh, those like the like those those guys that you named are the only ones that I actually know that I can honestly say that I know. Yeah. Uh, they always ran into the Lakers teams too. Yeah. Well, you know the Lakers has always had one of your top teams. Back then, the Lakers, New York, Boston, Philly, Detroit. Back then, man, those teams was hard to beat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All them was rivalry teams. You know, uh, you remember when Gilmore played here? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't alive, but I, I, I know when he played, yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgot about Gilmore. Um, did you ever go to a game at Hemisphere? <laughs> yes. Uh, I had season tickets. And uh, see what how I got that. I was working with the boys club, make a long story short. Yeah. And... This guy, Keno, I'll never forget him. He worked for the hospital. And he would bring kids down when I was, had tournaments. 
And I played a lot of ball, like I was saying. And so he played ball. We ran into each other. Then he asked me would I play for the hospital. He works at the hospital, and he needs another player. So I started playing with him for the hospital team. Yeah. And uh, I ran into this doctor, Morris Franklin, and he loved my game. He used to, like, treat me like I was a star. And he was a top surgeon. He <clears throat> he, he was a doctor. Uh-huh. And uh, we got friends. And one time we was in a tournament, and I went for the ball, and this guy jumped. He's going up, and his knee caught me right across my eye. Oh. And it cut it open. So I had to lay out, and he put a cold towel on me while I was laying out till the game was over. And he told me, he said, I said, man, I got to get to the doctor. I'm going to have to get these stitches. He said, I got you. He took me over to his office, set me in a chair. Next thing I knew, I was stitched up. Oh, wow. Just like that. Never even seen the scar hardly. I got a very little scar. Yeah, he, yeah. He, was a, he was a top surgeon. I didn't know that. Yeah. But anyway, he hooked me up. We became real good friends. And he would have season tickets. Wow. And he would ask me, say, hey, won't you take you and your family and your son? Devin wasn't but like a year and a half years old. Take you and your son to the games. So that's how I went to the games. I got 44 tickets each year. Wow. So I went to all the games. And back then, they didn't have top security where you can go right in the hallway yeah. when, they come out, when they come out of the locker room and meet the players and wow. get autographs. And I'd have everybody's autographs. Yeah. After where they are today, I'm sick. I don't have them. Oh, I don't know no. what happened to them. Well, I, it wasn't important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was important to me to get the autograph for Devin. yeah. Usually just my son, I want them to, uh, you know, just to be there. Yeah. I didn't really take it a value in it. I didn't really think about it, you know. So when did you arrive in San Antonio? What year? 79. 79. August oh, so that's literally when Magic and Bird. That's when they, that's when they, was, that's when they was hitting. Wow. Um, so what was San Antonio like in 79? It was uh, like 750, eight, almost 800,000 people here. Wow. Lila Cockrell was the mayor. And then Cisneros took over probably 80-something. Yeah. But it opened up. It started opening it up. Lila Cockrell wanted San Antonio to be a, a big country town, basically. Yeah. She really didn't want to bring a lot of industry here. Yeah. See, when, when uh, Cisneros came here, he opened up the city. That's when SeaWorld, Fiesta, Texas, a lot of industries started coming here. And it opened up, because this is basically a military town. Yeah. And uh, it really started opening up then. So when did you start to get involved with the youth of San Antonio? When I first moved here. Uh, probably 81, 82. Where at? Uh, boys Club. Well, okay, Eastside cool. Boys Club. That's oh, right, where I started right off at. Right there on MLK? On MLK. I started there. Went there for about two years. Uh, and then uh, I worked at the Y. The one on Iowa. Okay, yeah. Around that time. And then, because see, I always put my family first. Yeah. So I only can work those jobs part-time. Uh, I had to be sure that my wife and kids was taken care of. So yeah. I'd have to always worry about that. But I worked at the Boys Club, the YWCA. Oh, on the west side? The one right there off of Iowa, on the Bronx. Oh, the YMCA, YMCA. They say, uh, the, I thought you meant the women's one. Uh 
Because no. there's one on Castroville. I don't know if you know. Do you know what? There used about? to be one on Castroville. It's still over there. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, right by the cemetery. Okay. Uh, so um, when did you figure out your style? Because I I work with kids. I volunteer with kids on the west side, and it took me a while to figure out what my role is as a as a mentor, as someone who wants kids to do well in life. Um, did it take you a while? Because I remember you told me that. You were helping your sister out back in Utah at her community center, right? My uh, auntie. Your auntie, your auntie. Sorry, sorry. So I grew up in it. In other words, I grew up in it. And being it, I played all the sports. Here's the best way to do it. Yeah. Kids are kids. And if you just start playing ball, you start just participating, swimming, you start doing different things, and you got kids, they catch on. Yeah. They want to participate. Next thing you know, you got quite a few kids. Then they're respecting that you're pretty good. So they want to be kind of like, hey, I like the way he play. I want y'all to play like him. Yeah. So they start trying to, they looking at you like being a role model thing. Yeah. And you just stay focused. Then you start drawing kids in. Then you start teaching them certain things. And find out from each kid what they like. Yeah. See, what happens to a lot of people, we push what we may want the kid to do. But... You got to find out what that kid wants. See, like when I was working uh, uh, in the roller program, I had this truck. You'll see it, the little range of truck right here. You'll see it right here. Oh, in that picture? Yeah. 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 And I would lie, kid. I just go to a park and throw a frisbee, throw a soccer ball out there, throw a ball out there, start throwing football. And see what they, what, they, what they pick up. And kids just start coming, they just start playing. <laughs> Next nice. thing I know, I got all these kids that want to do something. So every time they see me, they're running up to my truck. Hey, Coach, what are you going to play? What are you playing today? Yeah. Before I can get all my equipment out the truck, they grabbing stuff, helping me get <laughs> stuff out of there. They, they ready to play. Yeah. And so uh, out there where I was at Scott Harbor, how it happened out there was Devin was uh, probably about, five or six and then my daughter's about three or four uh-huh. but I was volunteering in the community and just go out there playing with my kids and getting other kids involved so Sky Harbor Elementary School had a, a, a nice little field and I always be back there then one day the principal came out there her name was Miss Lott Hispanic lady never forget her she came out there she said a lot of my kids are always playing with you out in the, out, uh, 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 after school. And I was like, yeah. She says, I'm having a problem at a couple of kids, and I want you to talk to them. I see them out there playing with y'all throughout there. Do you mind talking to them? I said, no, who are they? And she told me. So I started talking to the kids, and then I come to find out those kids was always getting in fights. And I couldn't figure out why they was always fighting the other kids, picking on them. And uh, one day I was in my shop, and Miss Lotta called me. She says, Mr. Brown, will you please come and uh, take Chris out of class? He's been fighting all morning. And uh, I don't want to send him to alternative school because I know that he listens to you. Will you please come get him and talk to him? Sure. So I... Went and picked him up, and I started riding him around and talking to him, finding out what the problem was. I started smelling something. I said, hey, man, 
You smell like piss, man. That's why them kids are fighting you, man. They're teasing you, man. Yeah. What's going on, man? You don't clean your clothes? What? Did you use the bathroom yourself? He's only like nine or ten years. He said, no, no. He says that my mother don't wash clothes, and I go in the dirty clothes, and I just put them on to go to school. So that touched me. Damn. I said, what? He said, yeah, she doesn't wash her clothes. Uh, and so I understood from there. Yeah. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, man. We're going to do something about this. So that's when Kmart was was was, was open. Which one, the one downtown? No, it's on on my side of town. Uh, okay. over there, I remember there used 14. to be one. Do you remember the one downtown? I remember one downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I shot him to Kmart, and I took him in, and we got his size. So I bought him, like, 10 t-shirts and underclothes and socks yeah. and jeans and stuff that he could change for at least a solid week and uh, show him how you know you wash these out you wear them a couple of days you wash them out you could keep changing just give them to me when you come to the gym I'll I wash them I'll be sure you have them clean so we did that but I had to take him over my house you can't do that today I took all them clothes, took them over my house. I said, go in that bathroom and get in that tub. And I had ran the water for it. He didn't know I was going to come in there. I let him stay in there about five, ten minutes. I go walk in there. He still sits sitting in the tub. I said, you ain't know how to wash yourself, man. I do him like my mom used to do up. I grab that bar of soap, that rag. I said, hey, man, here's how you wash yourself, man. Now you wash yourself and get your butt up out of here, man. Yeah. So he he man, he had tears in his eye, he was crying. That boy will tell you today. Best thing that ever happened for him, man. He never was taught how to even clean himself, man. See, we'll be surprised of these kids and why they got problems. Yeah. I don't never even thought about that. I I always tell people, because I've been working with kids for ten years now, I always tell people, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a bad kid. That's just my opinion. There, there's always something behind their behavior. There's always something behind their situation. Anger. A lot of, and you're right. What it is, we call them bad because they're not behaving like we think they should. Yeah. But we got to understand there's anger in there. Yeah. And I didn't learn that till a long time that I wanted people to to listen to what I'm saying, but I didn't realize that they got deeper problems than I can imagine. See, because the way I came up, it was different. And when you don't have them parenting and not brought with the parents right, mm -hmm. then the kids can't help it. Yeah. You know? So that's what happens. But you know that kid, his name was Chris. Yeah. Uh, Rodney ran into him one day Oh, so this was in San Antonio? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because you took me to the downtown. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he started being bad after he got older. He he was, he, he was Devin's age, around Devin's age, and he used to play ball with Devin. A lot of them used to play ball with Devin and good athletes Yeah. when they was young. But that upbringing has caused them to want to hang in the street and they just wouldn't didn't want to do right. 
Yeah. You know, I had a couple guys on the team was bad in depth as far as uh, being able to score, uh, but they didn't have the basic fundamental sense and the IQ Devin had. Yeah. Plus they didn't have the work ethics. Plus they didn't have the character. Yeah. See, people take ball wrong. They think you're just athletic. No. You got to think the game. Mm -hmm. You got to have character for the game. You got to have work ethics. You got to be disciplined. And and you got to know how to control your temper. You know. So all that plays a big part of it. That's why coaches don't really like to deal with a lot of uh, kids that don't know how to listen because it throws them off. Here I got 20 people listening. I got three of you most talented players, but you're hard-headed. Yeah. That's frustrating, you know. That's why I love Popovich today. Popovich don't play that. Yeah. Uh, all the the star you think you are, when you come to San Antonio, you learn how to be defensive. You learn how to play as a player, uh, not individual. Yeah. And so that's where he's at. And I watch him discipline a whole lot of people. I watch stars come from other teams. And they're all of that, like Stephen Jackson. Steve Jackson's a bad boy. Oh, yeah. But when he come here, he looked like he wasn't that much. You know why? Because he had to do what Popovich told him to do. Yeah. Popovich snatched all that stardom and make you be a player. You know what Stephen Jackson says today? The best thing that ever happened to him. It made him a better player. When he left back out of San Antonio, he was scoring 30 points a game yeah, with no it. problem. Killing it at Indiana. He was killing folks. For the Bobcats. Everybody who leaves here at San Antonio. He do, he do was balling when he left to Orlando. Who? He do Turgaloo. Him. So was, uh, look at look at Grant Hill. Not Grant Hill. Uh, the George other Hill. Hill. George Hill. George Hill. George Hill. Beno uh, Udre. Anybody. Devin's who, teammate. Right. right. He played with Devin. Yeah. Yeah, Bano was a bad dude. I was mad when they traded him. Actually, I was like, "Why?" Like Bano was such a great player. Like, why did we get rid of him? But it's just because Spurs don't pay that kind of money. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, exactly. See, Spurs know what they're doing. See, Spurs already invested into Tim Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. Yeah, they're not gonna invest no big money in nobody else. Yeah, they gonna get uh, limited as possible. But here's where they come from. They get no names and make players out of them. Um, so when do you, so when you move to San Antonio, do you immediately live on the South side or where are you living? No. When I first moved to San Antonio, my wife worked at Brooks Air Force Base. So I okay. lived on the Southeast. Okay. Then we had a house over here off of, uh, in, in Lake, in, uh, 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 Lake Hill Lake, Lakeside. Okay. Okay. That's, that's way, uh, uh. More, it's more east. You know where Lakeside is. Yes. There was only five homes out there when we first bought a home out there. Wow. Then we moved from there because she got transferred to Kelly. So we moved from there, bought a house on that side of the southwest part of town. But uh, what was it like over there? Uh, I hear different stories about people who grew up in there. Like I hear people who grew up in, uh, was it Indian Creek? Indian Creek. We lived right there at Indian Creek, Hidden Cove. That's where Scott Harvard, that's where Miller Pond is. Yeah, yeah, Miller Pond, yeah. Oh, it, it was uh, uh, it was gangster. I heard. Uh, it wasn't as bad when we first moved in there in the early 80s because 
It was more military. Yeah. And when the military moved out, then you had more gang bangers and low income houses come in and so it it it, it, it filled it up where it was just uh became a, a hood. Yeah. And uh that's that's I'm glad you asked that. I love working out there because I was working with kids that their parents were either gangbangers, drug dealers, locked up. They had a lot of them didn't have parents. No fathers or 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 fathers locked up or or mama, both of them on drugs, whatever it was. I used to take kids home in my truck and have a truck full of people, but the police knew me for working there so long, they knew when I was coming. They knew we see that blue truck, we let him in. They'll have stuff taped off where there'd been a lot of shooting and yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But they'll let me in to drop my kids off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was the the gang members and a lot of the people. They gave me a lot of respect because I was dealing with so many kids and their kids. Yeah. So it was like, don't mess with me. Yeah. Police wouldn't mess with me. The gang people wouldn't mess with me. I can go in there and get kids, and 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 uh. Nobody would ever, ever mess with me. Uh, what, what was it like? Because, like, here you are, you're raising your own kids, and then you have these kids that you're essentially you're raising to an extent. Um, did that ever kind of give Devin and your daughter perspective on everything? Like, hey, like, you ha- you guys have two loving parents, but these kids, you know. My, definitely. In fact, <laughs> it's weird how you asked that. Is what happened was, see, before I got real deep into a lot of those kids' lives, yeah. I'd already raised my kids like they was already 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. So I caught mine when they was, before they was born. Yeah. So they already knew the deal. Yeah. So when they started turning 10, 11, 12 years, they already could be independent. They already knew what to do. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about them. So when I got my job with the city, Devin was in 10th grade. Uh, wow. And Crystal was uh, in 8th grade. So my kid was already basically grown. Yeah. So when I got the job, my wife used to tell me, you're going to bring some of them badass kids to the house? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't want these kids over our house. I said, well, I'm, I, they already here. <laughs> she going to look out my truck. I got a whole bunch of them out there. Better ask but, for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> but I did it on the simple fact I had to let her know, you're not too good for that. Yeah. These kids need guidance. These kids need to know. You meet my kids. You see how respectful my kids are. Yeah. You see how I am as a father. You see my wife. You see how we're living. I want them kids to see positive. You see what I'm saying? So they're like, wow, wow, wow. That's what I want them to see. You can do it. So those kids loved it. Then eventually, my kids just got used to it. You know, I didn't have to babysit my kids no more. My kids already knew the deal. Mm -hmm. But these kids didn't have a father. And I wanted them to see 
a better way of life. Besides always gang banging and mama on drugs and daddy on drugs or, or whatever the negative was. So I got a lot of respect. Them kids right today, I got a lot of kids right today. They remember me forever. Uh, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown. And a lot of them, they, they watched Devin grow up. They've been all Devin's games. I took all them kids every time I went to the UTSA games, Spurs games, I went wherever I went. And in my shop, I'd take them kids and cut their hair free. Yeah. And let them and see Devin and, and Devin come talk to him all the time. See, here's some pictures right here with Devin always right there when he's in high school, talking to all the kids. I always brought him around so that kids could see him and 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 he you know uh, he growing up with him. Mm. Uh, I was never letting my kids uh, get away from that. Um, when did you realize that Devin was a special? player <clears throat> like you knew like he can go to the next level like every like a lot of people can be really good at, at you know at hoops i i did it you didn't okay i i put it this way um, <laughs> my focus was to uh, get through high school man and, mm, okay and I'm working on where if you play all the sports, if you, I got you into tennis, you're into golf, you can swim, you can bowl, you can play softball, you can do anything. I want you to get some kind of scholarship because I really don't save, really could save enough for your college. Now your mom is saving money for your college, but I got to put my skills into your ability to be an A and B student, to have all the recreational skills, and somebody going to pick you up. Yeah. It's something. You know, and that's why I got my kids when they was little. Uh, they could play all the sports and they yeah. would end up being good. My daughter, everybody. No, you're telling me your daughter was a great athlete too. Mad girl bad, man. Yeah. That girl was a star uh basketball, volleyball, she ran track and she was a uh she 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 was a high jumper, she was a long jumper, a triple jumper. Jeez. And and high jumper. And relays. Yeah. So did she also go to West Campus? She went to West Campus. And, and her and my nephew, I brought him from Denver when he was 14. Okay. And so I wanted him to graduate and go to high school with my daughter. Yeah. Because he was, uh, my brother was taking care of him and his mom died. Oh, okay. So my brother was working a shift from 3 to 12. Uh -huh. But I didn't like David being home from uh, uh, after school. Four o'clock all the way to twelve o'clock to his the father most, gets there. That's the most critical time for a that's kid. That's the most critical time. So I told my brother, uh, "Hey man, let me take David back with me because he's the same age as my daughter, and I can watch him, and him and my daughter can graduate together." Yeah. First, his, his, uh, my brother said, "No, man, I got it." So about a week, about two or three days before I get ready to leave, he came and asked me. He said, "Was you serious?" I said, "Yeah." He, David, you don't need to be leaving David uh, alone at them hours. Yeah. I know you got to pay rent. I know you got to pay your bills. But this boy is very important, and he'll drift off on you. Yeah, He'll start smoking weed, hanging around with his friends, and you're losing, man. And uh, so he thought about it, thought about it. Then he came to me before I left. He said, was you serious about taking David with you? 
So yeah, I said, because I'm with these kids all the time and I can watch you. He said, what about your wife? I said, I'm gonna give her respect, I'm gonna call her and I'm gonna tell her I'm bringing him, but it don't matter. Cause she says, no, I'm bringing him anyway. Yeah. Cause it's all about David. My kids are grown, my kids are ready. I ain't worried about my kids, my kids, I got them from birth. Yeah. So they already knew the deal. So uh, I called my wife, I said, her name is Ann. I said, Ann, I'm bringing David, you know, you know his mother died and uh, I'm bringing him back to San Antonio so he can graduate Crystal, my daughter. No, don't bring no more kids down here. <laughs> so it kind of pissed me off. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Click. So I just told my brother, I said, I'm taking him. If you let me take him, I'm taking him. Yeah. I'll go from there because I knew I had connections here. If my wife don't want him at the house, I got friends that got houses. Yeah. I'll pay them rent because all I want David to do is graduate with my daughter. Yeah. So, and David's going to be in the sports. So, uh, by the time he goes to school at 7 o'clock in the morning, he ain't going to get home until 8 o'clock that night. That's right. So, all he needed somewhere to go, be peaceful, eat, shower, and back routine. Yeah. And I can keep him with me more, you know, in, in between any of the times. So, we tried at the house for a few months. I seen Dave was uncomfortable. I seen my wife was uncomfortable. I seen that she really didn't like it, especially by me doing it the way I did it. Uh, and so I got him into a, a a friend of mine. They had a big two-story house, and she had a son about a year or two, uh, younger, older than David. So I paid, you know, I got to where he stayed yeah. there, graduated. And you should have seen the look on my wife's face when he walked across that stage with my daughter. He graduated from there. Then he went to college and graduated from UTSA. Oh, He's wow. making big money. He's bought him a house a couple of years ago. Wow, good He's doing him. awesome, man. Um, and he played ball. He played football uh, and basketball. So when I go up to West Campus, he was a star. And this is after Devin already left records. Uh, Devin was in UTSA. Yeah. And then my daughter for two years and my nephew for two years, they was a star of West Campus. Wow. So when Mr. Brown showed up, everybody had to respect him because I had too much to do. I had to go to a football game. I had to go to my daughter's stuff, back and forth all the time. You know, but they was doing so good, man. They all ended up with scholarships. So with Devin, um, was he varsity as a freshman? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, how, how was he, like, from, from his freshman year until, obviously, his senior year, he's over here breaking records. Uh, well, he went to private school in ninth grade. Okay. And he just dominated private school. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so. Was it, like, 2A, 3A? Whatever it was, <laughs> <laughs> they hit his records. Oh, what? They didn't want him to leave. So what happened was he broke all their records and had uh, so many records. See, they see here San Antonio, they start your they start you in high school at ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Yeah. See, in Devin's ninth grade year, he was in private school. So when he went to uh, a public school, they didn't count his private. So school. they started all over. Yeah. 
Oh. They had to start from 10th, 11th, and 12th. Man. And still broke the records. That's crazy. Worth all the three or 400 more points that he got in private school. Yeah. Man. See, I argue with that all the time about that, but nobody would do nothing about it. Yeah. So he had to start over. But the, the Lord's good because he started over and still broke the record. So what schools were bad at the time? I, I like, like that were Fox the, Tech. I heard Tech was. Cool. Sam Houston. Sam, they did have a good squad. Sam had the most talent throughout the whole city, bro. Wow. They had the most talent, man. I just, I hate to even face them. Yeah. Because I'm looking at Devin, and he, you know, he got a couple short fit toss. Well, Devin's team was probably 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". Yeah. On Sam's team, the shorter was 6'5", darn near, 6'4", 6'3". I mean, he probably could jump over the hoop left and right. Man. And, uh... I was nervous. They played at Paul Paul Taylor Stadium for the championship. Yeah. And uh, I'm nervous, and you got all this talent, and a couple of them boys that was on Sam Houston, I knew them because they was at the boys' club when I used to coach. Yeah. But I'm nervous because these boys can hoop. Yeah. And uh, they got out there, man. I could hardly watch the game. I was so nervous. (laughs) And, you know, Devin played smart as hell. He went out there and fouled out four or five of their starters. Dang. Fouled them out. Listen to what I'm saying. They was all in foul trouble. That boy was through ball fakes and Dell Costa. He fouled them, man. To where it took their confidence. Then the coach didn't know how to play them. Yeah. He just had a whole lot of talent. So with it all boiled down to it, they only beat him by West Campus ended up beating Sam Houston about four or five points. Wow. And they shouldn't even beat him. And Devin had 49 points. And and won that championship, man. I almost passed out. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. They Sam Houston was so mad that when we was leaving. They started throwing rocks all at the buses. They started picking fights with all West Campus. They was furious. Devin, I still run the brother. I run the brother. I forget what his name was. He still tell me. He said he don't know how in the hell Devin got no 49 points and beat Sam. He said, man, we had a hell of a squad. I said, I know you did. I said, that coach and 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 the player was so good trying to stop Devin. And they would go, Jerry jumping all in the air because they could jump. Yeah. And Devin was just faking them out, oh, making man. them fouling. You know why Tech was bad? And they had some hoopers. Robert, uh, you remember, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Bell. Robert Bell. Robert Bell. Who's that? He's the one who broke all the records at Tech. Uh, no, I was going to say, they were good because they all went to Tobin where Ralph was at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ralph knew Robert Bell. Robert Bell held the record. That's who Devin broke the record from, Robert Bell. Oh, wow. I didn't know he but had But it took that Robert Bell 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and 12th. Wow. Everybody who had the record, it took him five years, four or five years. Yeah. Devin broke it in 10th, 11th, and 12th. Man. So when Devin graduates, he he walks on at UTSA? Is that true? Look. Or how did... No. No? Look here. I'm glad you asked that question. Write it on paper. You see this right here? 
This is when Mr. Brown has a poster in his hand. It has a bunch of look old school pictures. This is when uh, UTSA he was signing with the UTSA just out of high school. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's his mom. This is his coach. And he was signing to go to UTSA. So he gets a he gets a full ride there, right? Full ride. He was the highest recruit UTSA had. Wow. And have had. He had so many uh, letters. He could have went to Georgetown. He could have went to any of your big schools. Because that's why I really wanted him to go. Because when he would get all these letters of intent, you know, you get all these letters. The mailman couldn't even bring them. They had to bring <laughs> them in Federal Express and, and UPS. Yeah. And I knew a couple of guys that worked for uh, uh, Federal Express. And they'd come to the shop and tell him, man, well, you know we got to drop the packages out. So leave your gate because I had a gate before you get to the house. Yeah. And I t- tell them the little code on the gate so they can put it by the door. But he used to have letters after letters after letters. And he never would tell me what he was going to do. Because he knew I wanted him to go to a big school. I wanted him to go down there with, with Tubby Smith. Tubby, what's his name? He was at, he's at, uh, he was at uh, North Carolina. Anyway, uh, Tubby Smith, he was at North Carolina. I forgot what school he was at. But anyway, I seen letters from Kentucky, North Carolina, Georgetown, all the big schools. Yeah. All the big private schools, they all wanted him. And uh, I was so excited, and I would see all these letters. And one day I was emptying the, gar- the trash. I could see all these letters in the trash. <laughs> I'm like digging in the trash, looking at all these letters. I'm like, now why is this boy throwing all these letters away? I started taking letters and just stashing them. I act like it was for me. Yeah. I mean, and I was that excited, and he acted like that was nothing. I'm like, people just don't invite you. I never got invited to no schools like this. Yeah. Why are you throwing all these away? He never say nothing. Then he would just keep a whole lot of it in his room. But uh, go to sh- go to find out, he never would say to me, I don't think he did to his mom. I don't know. But it's pretty close. But he never would tell me where he was going. And then what I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you to make a decision to go to college because of me, because of your mom, because of no coaches. You go where you want to go and be comfortable. You're going to have four years of eligibility to play ball. You want to be happy. If you go because of someone else, you're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. So he never would say nothing. Then one day, uh, I was leaving, going to the shop, like about 8, 39 o'clock. I was leaving in the morning. I was going out of my clothes. Right the last day, he said, Dad, I made up my mind. I said, oh, really? So what school are you going to? He said, UTSA. I'm going to drop the iron. <laughs> I said, what? Down the street? I said, what? He said, yeah. What made you make that decision? You and your mom and that coach at UTSA trying to get you there? 
I said, why would you want to stay here? He said, Dad, I want y'all to come to the games. I want it to be easy for y'all to come to the games. I want my family and friends, and I can I can go right here. He'll know, but I was eating up in the inside. I was like, well, you know, it's your choice. And as long as you're happy, I'm with you. But then I left, and I was kind of mad at, in a way. And then as time went on, the Lord told me, he said, James, that's his decision. He's comfortable. Let it do. Best thing ever happened. Yeah. He would have probably had the opportunity mm -hmm. to shine and have the opportunity to do what he done. Now, he didn't broke history, bruh. There's not a black player here or another minority player here that actually grew up here and got a championship ring. That's true. Name me one. I can't. I can't. Something's wrong with that. My goal right now is to push and for to get with him and 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 go bigger than that. Because Right now, and, and as a father, I look at the history of it. See, Devin don't even know. His mom doesn't even know. But through the Lord and myself, I know. When you do good deeds, good things happen. See, when I was working with the city, working with the Spur Drug Free League, Popovich heard of me. All the sports organizations heard of me because they sponsored that. Yeah. Uh, they heard of me through... I know they had to, because I was one of the top coaches. Midnight basketball, spur drug free league. And so I, I, I know. Then Popovich used to come and help the city in clinics. I'd be right there. I met him. One time uh, I was participating in one of his clinics, uh -huh. and we was going out the door. And we was walking through the parking lot. And I was just kidding with Popovich. Because he told me, he said, man, I like how you participated with me uh, in my clinic. I said, sure, man. You know, I try to stay in shape. And I like playing ball myself. Uh-huh. And uh, we laughing. I said, can I take a picture with you? He said, sure. So he's taking a picture. I said, you better look out for my son. <laughs> he laughed. I laughed. And I, didn't, I don't think I said, you better look out for him. I said, look out for my son. Something like that. But I'm I'm bullcrapping him because Devin wasn't but like 14 years old, 13, yeah. 14 years old. So I was kind of kidding. But right today, he would have to tell me in his own mouth that he did not look out for my son. Because to me, he looked out for him through me because he liked me. Because he told me one time too, he said, uh, Mr. Brown, you raised a good son. That's after Dad made the team. I was trying to duck him. And he told me, he said, Mr. Brown, come here. And he said, you trying to hide from me? And I was. <laughs> because he had too many people around him. I wasn't trying to kiss his butt because of my son made the team. I was just trying to stay low key. And he seen me and he called me over there like this. I said, yeah. He said, I just want to tell you something. You raised a hell of a son. You raised a good son. You did a good job. 
I said, well, thank you, Pop. I said, he didn't have no choice. We kind of laughed and I played it off. But that stuck with me right today. It stuck with me what he said, how he liked how I participated. It stuck with me when I used to be at all Devils high school games and college games, I would see scouts. Mm -hmm. That's Papa, bitch. Papa sent them scouts out to watch him, man. Yeah. But they can't tell me. They couldn't tell his mom. They couldn't tell They can't touch you. Agents and, and scouts can't talk to you. Yeah. It's illegal. Um, so he graduates UTSA. Uh, where does he go from there? He, uh, oh, he went to the Spurs. He went to the D League. That's right. He went, first he went that summer before all of that. It's called the Kansas Cagers. And I didn't even ever heard of it. But it's <laughs> another D League that he went to. And he was gone all summer, mostly all summer. So I didn't know much about that league. He went, played in Kansas for that summer. And he came back, and uh, D-League picked him up from North Carolina. They recruited him high at number two. They picked up a center, then picked up him. Uh-huh. And uh, he told me, he said, Dad, you know I'm going to North Carolina. I'm playing in that D-League. I said, well, cool. You know, that's that's a way to get in the NBA. So he leaves out. As soon as he gets there, he calls me. He said, Dad, uh... I got to get back on the plane. I just got here. I said, uh, you just got there. You coming back? He said, yeah, Popovich called me back. Huh. I said, what? He said, yeah, uh, Clashin got hurt. One of the guards got hurt, and he wanted me to come back. So I, I, uh, he gave me a 10-day contract. 10-day contract, like you allowed to play 20 games. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like 10 days. You don't be no 10 days. A ten day contract. Yeah. But you like to play twenty games. So that was exciting. Come on back. Bam, he played that's when he played with Dave Robinson, Tim, Avery. Oh man, so after that, um, he goes where? Okay. After the contract, he helps him get to the playoffs, that championship. Being that he wasn't drafted. Claxton came back, but Claxton was drafted. So when Cla Claxton got healthy, he they put him on the roster. They couldn't put Devin on the roster. So he went back to the D-League. Uh -huh. But he had missed half the season in the D-League. Yeah. So when he go back to the D-League, he only plays half the season. Do you know him playing that half the season? He had been the most valuable player in the D-League. Wow. He ended up being the most valuable player and the highest scorer in the D-League. And he only played half the season. So that uplifted him. Yeah. Then the following year, Poppy snatched him up and kept him. Mm. And what year is this? 2004. Four? I think it was 2000. He played back and forth from 2003 two, to 2005. So all in between there. Um, he becomes an NBA champion. He got his championship ring in 2005. Yeah, 05, yeah, yeah, that's right. How did it feel 
to see your kid win an NBA championship? Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen nothing like it in my life. And I've been to many a game, but I never know championship game and you part of it. Uh, it's the most best feeling that any parent. In fact, the best feeling any parent can have is to hear 18,000, 20,000 people yelling your son's name. Yeah. That's during the whole season. All the time I play with the Spurs, I go to the games. The baseline bums and all the people. Homeboys, homeboys, Devin Brown, Devin Brown. Oh, God, I see him all on the monitors. And and you just hear his name and everybody yelling his name because he's a homeboy. Yeah. And it just gives me chills. I can't sit still. Yeah. I have to stay moving. I can't sit in the chair. I can't sit in one spot. I have to walk all the way around because I got to take a deep breath because that's a heck of a feeling, man, to feel that. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it no more than it's the biggest adrenaline that you can ever have. Yeah. Now, it might have been different if I was the father that just he made it to the league and I just popped up from nowhere and that's my son. Now, it might have been different. Yeah. But by being there all his life, uh, molding him all his life, whooping his butt all his life playing ball, <laughs> It's a different feeling. All I can see when I see him out there playing, I see me. Yeah. You know how I just see a little me. It didn't got taller and better. There's always that that one showdown where he finally conquers dad. <coughs> when did he conquer you in basketball? That's deep. <sighs> he thought he had me beat that <laughs> I didn't I didn't know. One day, because I played him every evening. I come home from work and I get home seven, eight o'clock at night. And we all, we know I had a hoop out in the garage. So we all hooping all the time. Do we have some time? We all, we all hooping. And so he got his neighborhood friends. Everybody wants to beat me. So <laughs> I'm whooping them off. <laughs> and I'm not thinking. I come home and uh, my garage is right here, the driveway is right here. So he got all out there, out there shooting. Say, Dad, you ready? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on. So I kick off my shoe. I go and I whoop them all again. So I'm not thinking about it. It's just normal for me. And uh, another day, he was pissed. Oh, damn. He was pissed. He didn't show me he was pissed. Yeah. But I come to find out later on that he was pissed. Yeah. Because the news people asked him, case at 12, they asked me, they said, have you ever had a downfall in your life? Because I see where you broke high school record. I see where you broke the college record. I see you made it to the Spurs. Have there been a down in your life? He said, yeah. He said, what? He said, my dad. He said, what do you mean? He said, I thought I could beat my dad. I got a little bigger, stronger. And I waited for him to get off work, and I just knew I was going to beat him. And I couldn't beat him. I thought about that. I said, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. But then, when he could beat me, he wouldn't play me. He wouldn't play me. Wow. I said, come on, Devin. You think you beat me now? I knew I could beat him. Man, that he ain't got 6'5", wing spread. 
I, he knew all my old shit. I couldn't beat him to the basket no more. Yeah. I couldn't out jump him. I couldn't muscle him. Yeah. All my game was dead. <laughs> I can't dribble past him. Yeah. His defense got too strong. Yeah. And he knocked. He, he, oh, I had to shoot before he even got on me. Yeah. He changed my whole game up. But he wouldn't play me. He wouldn't even play me. He say, uh, "I want you on my team, Dad." You know, we go play pickup ball. Yeah. He want me on his team. Because, see, I used to do him like that. Yeah. I used to go put him in. When he was 12, 13, he'd be playing with grown men. Yeah. On my team. Yeah. And it's weird how that happens. Then it reversed. All of a sudden, when he got grown, yeah. I'm on his team. <laughs> Don't nobody else want me on their team. Yeah. <laughs> how does it feel for him to... To do that because he could have easily you know been like you know pride prideful it made me feel that he had that kind of respect for me yeah that you know dad i you ain't shit no more <laughs> but instead of telling me that or showing it to me he just didn't even want to play me yeah you see what i'm saying i knew i could do nothing with him no more yeah see you know i ain't stupid yeah i know i could touch him no more that boy snatched that ball up by the, the square. <laughs> I can't jump that high, bro. <laughs> I can't dribble like uh, uh, past him. All them pushing days, he's too strong now, man. Yeah. You ever seen his wing spread? Oh, yeah. He, he got a wing spread on him, bro. Yeah. He always had the wide shoulders. Well, you got a wingspan, too. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. But he got a wingspan. Yeah. And he got them with broad shoulders. Yeah. And he can, you know, he can go. He got he stretched out. Yeah, there, he man. can snatch that thing. Yeah, yeah, he snatched it all off the. Uh, I remember we was playing, and uh, them youngsters was just too fast for me. I got too old. I yeah. couldn't keep up with him. And this one dude, I'm waiting for him. He passed me up, and I didn't even know I'm on Devin's team. I didn't even know Devin seen me. Devin was always watching. And the dude went to go make a layup because I know I couldn't get it. So he passed me up and went to make the layup. Devin come from this way and pinned it all up against the backboard. I'm like, look around and hell, he get over here that fast. But he would already timed it. He's already waiting for it. Yeah. Um, so after the Spurs, Devin goes to <coughs> Utah. Utah, that's right, that's right. How, does see, it, how, how weird is that to see it kind of go full circle for you guys? Real good because, and I just give it to the Lord to be truthful because how the world, first of all, are you going to grow up here? We've been here, and then we play here, you get a ring, then all of a sudden, Utah pay you more for you to come there. See, the Spurs weren't going to give him but like a, a one point something meal. And Utah, we're going to give her five mil for two years. Yeah. So what would you take? Oh, yeah. And Pop, Pop. And Pop told him anyway. Pop was money. like, Pop, Pop told him anyway. Let me tell you something. I got you a ring. You got a ring. Go out there and make some money. Yeah. Spurs ain't going to pay you shit. Go out there and make that money. Yeah. See, that's what people, that's what Pop is that way. That's what he did with the Kawhi. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna know. I know because I know how Pop is. Yeah. Pop gonna go tell you, hey man, the organization's not gonna pay you this kind of money, man. 
go out there and make that money. That's why you see a lot of players that they they don't argue with the Spurs. Spurs ain't gonna pay them. They're out of here. Yeah. Pop is burning already told him. I know Pop is. Pop will come to him telling the truth. Yeah. He say, man, they're not gonna pay that kind of money. But they got it in the NBA, go get it. Like yeah. you told Devin, I know what he had told him. Devin don't have to tell me. He probably he probably didn't tell Devin. Yeah. Devin's agent probably told Devin. But I know men. I know Pop. Yeah. Pop look at it like, man, we ain't gonna give you no two, three million dollars, man. Go out there and make some money, man. Yeah. I'll get you hooked up. Especially back then, like five mil was a lot. I mean, well, it's a lot then, of money lot in general, of, but like for for that time. For, for oh, it's welfare money compared to where it is now. Yeah. But but the bottom line is, think about it. Popovich, Jerry Sloan, they was always uh, your top coaches. Yeah. And uh, Jerry Sloan, and then Devin was born in Utah. Yeah. So all that is ticket sales. All that is a monopoly. Yeah, it's so, easy to We're just sending him there. We're paid. We're, we're paid. He got a championship ring, so he can come to our organization and bring some experience. Who was there at the time? Was AK-47 there at the time? Karolinko? No. Was, no, that was before him, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, what was that boy I heard nothing else from? He's a bad boy, too. They, they had to play in front of them. Uh, good guard, man. He was he was right after Stockton. Right after Stockton. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Was this oh like oh six right? Look look yeah look for oh six. Oh six. Oh seven. So that's be Darren Williams then right? Darren Williams. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, about. It has to be Darren Williams. Yeah. You know him and Wilson they came out together. Chris Paul. Oh. They was roommates. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because I remember. Whatever cause, happened to Darren Williams? He fell off. Do every after he went to Brooklyn, you know, he, he fell off, didn't he? he? Fell off, man. Because he was at a point he was like top two guard in the league, right? Because he was a big, he was a big point guard. Like he was could, he? Yeah, he was a pretty big point guard. He could back dudes down. So uh, he fell off. Yeah, because oh six, oh seven, they made it to the conference finals. So who else? Boozer was there when Devin was there, right? Carlos Boozer, yeah, he because yeah, because Boozer started with the with Cleveland, right. He was probably with Devin in Cleveland, because Devin was in Cleveland when? Devin was in Cleveland after Utah. Oh, it was after Utah. Never mind, never mind. Because yeah. Boozer was in was in Cleveland with LeBron's rookie year. But think about the players Devin had to play against. That 2-5 uh, season, there were some bad boys, man. That's when everybody came out. Yeah. That's when Kobe, uh, no, Kobe came out 2-4. What do you mean? When did Kobe come out? 97? No, 96. Oh, so he had already been out a while. Yeah, yeah Kobe, Kobe been in the league for a minute because Kobe's rookie yeah. class was him, Iverson. Right, uh, right, right, right. I think it was right. Nash. Nash. Uh, Mulberry. Ray Allen. Okay, then when Devin played 2 5, what was the. Who came out of 2 5? 2005. Well, LeBron, Melo, and and right. Bosch, that was 03. They came out in 03, right? Yeah. So Devin was in Cleveland in 2-4. Oh, Dwight Howard. Wait, was Dwight Howard? No, Dwight Howard. I don't know. No, he, he had to be in Cleveland 2-6. Let's see. 
Because he didn't stay in Utah for maybe a year. Only a year? Or two. So, yeah, so after us, or after the Spurs, it was Utah 05-06. Oh, he played with, with CP when... Uh, in New Orleans. Yeah, after Katrina. Oh, yeah, he played with Chris Paul. So it was in Oklahoma when they played. Right. Then he was in Cleveland the year after they made it to the final. So it was that year uh, they played the Celtics in the playoffs and stuff. He played when he played with Cleveland, right? Yeah. Now, what year was LeBron already for Cleveland? Was that the second year or first year? So that was like LeBron's third year, maybe. Because LeBron's oh, o- okay. 02 rookie. Because 06 07 is when Cleveland made it to, to the finals and they got swept by the Spurs. 08. I remember uh, Celtics won that year. But Cleveland played the Celtics, and he took them to seven games in the second round. Then Boston played um, the Pistons, because the Pistons were making it to the conference finals every year that for that, that span. Right. Uh, so, yeah, De- uh, Devin played on that 07-08 Cleveland team. So um, let's talk about your coaching. You coaching, you know, the youngsters. I mean, I see all these pictures. I see you and – Another San Antonio legend, Mr. Ralph Rivera. Mm-hmm. That's Ralph My right boy there. Jack. That's right. Man, what was it like? Those... Do you know any of them kids? I don't know. It depends what year that is. Cause, uh, That's the guy to be in. Before. Ralph has black hair in that picture, so he's all gray now. So this has to be. Is it all gray? <laughs> yeah, he's all gray now. Gray mustache, gray gray hair. We are older, man. <laughs> um. So what was what were those battles like? Because you always told me it was either your team or the Outlaws. Yeah, always, always. Farias tournament. Farias, right? Uh, Ralph already knew that I'm coming there with first place. I don't care what sport it was, <laughs> or he gonna get first. One of us is going at it. Yeah, and that's where it really was. Me and him always went at it in something. What was it like to meet somebody? Who was basically like the Mexican version of you. Like what you were doing on the south side, he was doing on the west side. That's why me and him got along so together. That's why me and him were so cool was he was he who he was. I was who I was. But we were still a little bit older than the rest of them. Yeah. But we had that grandfather type image of with the kids. Like we cared about our kids. Uh, I know that. I would do on and above, and it wasn't just a job for me. Yeah, I would take kids seven days a week, uh, take them to church with me on Sundays. Like a lot of the kids that hung with me during the week, uh, I'd take them to church on Sundays and feed them, take them out to buffets and let them eat because they didn't have the fatherly, they just didn't have the family backings. You know what I'm saying? So that was all exciting for them, you know? Yeah. And they would do good. Every time I would call for them, and we had different games, I could be at the last minute call them. Hey, man, I need four or five of y'all to come, man. We got a tournament tomorrow. Want to join it? Want to get in it? Yeah, yeah. And then I next year, I know I go, man. Sometimes I had to turn kids away. Yeah. Because I couldn't take all of them. How does it feel? Or better question. I battle with this. When did you realize, like, hey, I understand I have an impact on these kids, but I can't save all of them. And at the end of the day, they still got to go home to whatever situation that they have to go home to. Um, when did you 
accept that? Or have you accepted that? What I found out was we can only do so much. Yeah. And if there's all these kids and the ones that are listening, the ones that believe in me, the ones that are trying, more power to them. The ones that are not, I just still want you to, to do, but you got to want to do because there's too many kids right here that I have to help. Yeah. So I can't stop helping these kids to help you if you don't want help. Yeah. When you get ready for help, I'm right here. Mm. See, because if I stop over here with you, then these other kids are, are waiting on me. Yeah. That really want something. So I can't save everybody. You gotta wanna save yourself to help me out. You see what I'm saying? So I can only do so much. Yeah. You know, I feel bad, but uh, nothing I can do. Yeah. So when I come, I let everybody know, this is what I'm gonna be here. Uh, this is what I'm gonna do. And you'll have the ones that already know to be coming on a regular basis, your thoroughbreds. And just continue to help who you can. And uh, that's all you really can do. Yeah. Because you're only one person. Um, let's segue into you know, the past few months. There's been a lot of protests. There's been a lot of people voicing uh, a lot of issues that are plaguing the black and brown communities. And I've seen you at most of them, pretty much all of them. Uh, what's it like to see the young folks out there? I love it. I love it. I love it to see them where I used to be way back in the day in the Black Panther organizations. Uh, I wasn't actually in their organization, but it filtered out to each city and we was standing up Black Power, uh, tired of uh, being misused and then being from Utah. We took it out on the white people. We would just pick fights and tear up stuff and do all kind of stuff. And then once, once people started going to jail or getting beat down or whatever, we realized that that's not working. Yeah. So when I see the young people today try to speak out without being violent, I'm 100% with them. And when they start thinking being angry or violent is when I'm there as old school to try to talk them out of it, if I can. I understand the frustration of it, and we're sick of it, and we still shouldn't be having to go through a lot of these things, but understand, if you be violent about it, it's just gonna cause more situations. Yeah. You know, and you, you think you go, you think one person got killed, there's gonna be a whole lot of people get killed when you start trying to be violent because uh, it opens up a war and you don't want that. I remember you mentioned, you mentioned that in a lot, a lot of uh, your speeches or when you speak to a, a crowd of people, you mentioned that guys went this route, you went the, this route like like the, you know fighting it with violence you've seen every 
every angle of that stuff, man. Yeah, and um, you see the end results. Uh, the end results ain't no joke, bro. When you got, when you see 20 of your friends or all y'all participating and you start missing two or three friends or you see things getting burned down or you see the retaliation of things happening, man, it ain't no no, no play thing. Yeah. Because one thing we got to understand, I don't care whether you're Hispanic, black, use your common senses. We don't have tanks and missiles. Yeah. So how are we going uh, uh, how are we gonna compete? They'll drive them tanks right down through this city and blow everybody up before the before they'll lose out. They ain't gonna let that. They ain't gonna let all that happen. Yeah. That's why Trump is letting people know. Oh, y'all want to cause a problem? Okay. When he heard that problem in, in Portland, he tried to say he didn't say it, but he said it and he meant it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, how do you put it? Uh, guns. How do you put it? What was that statement he made? I can't think of that statement he made, but he he what he was actually saying was, y'all want war? Y'all want to try to tear up a city? We're gonna bring the national guards in. Can't hang, man. So you did well, go on and protest and continue to protest nicely because that's the only way it's going to be a change. Uh, and that's going to be destructive. Um, what, what do you want the people out there who are listening to know? Love is the answer. And that means that treat people like you want to be treated. For myself, I love helping kids and building family and, and building positive things and teaching discipline and respect and character and and then you teach different skills to keep people busy and that gets them to help them with different jobs. See, a lot of times that I keep forgetting and I was just looking at it right here is not only was it recreation, not only was it certain things, I had a barbershop. Yeah. I would cut these kids' hair for free. That was always in my program. So they would look good, feel good about themselves when they go to school. I'd buy certain kids' clothes if they needed them. I would do certain things. I had a lot of clientele that was in Lackland Air Force Base and uh, Brooks, a lot of different bases because I dealt with military, 75% military in my shop. Yeah. And... They was educated, they were sharp, they had skills. And a lot of my kids, whatever they was into, like if you was into drawing, yeah, I know a guy probably in the architect. I get them hooked up to where these people want to talk to my, some of my kids. They'd always see my kids with me. They'd always see them at the shop. They'll come to the shop and help me out just to be around the environment. So what happens is it gives the kids more variety and more think more about themselves to want to do better, go to school, do the right things. Right now, my whole thing, what I really want to do, I want to get my voice out there and I'm begging for where's all James Brown's kids? Mm, okay. I want 
to hear from James Brown's kids. Where are all my kids, man? That's what I want. Yeah. Because there are so many of them, and I wouldn't care whether they're doing bad or good. I just want to know where they're at. Yeah. Because they was good to me. I know I was good to them. And I would like to come together and see what are we doing? Because majority of them, when I look at my son, I look at my nephew, I look at a lot of kids. I, I see them on my Facebook. They, they let me know. They're taking care of their families. They got kids. They're, oh, man, things that I was doing with them, they're doing it with their kids. Yeah. This guy, Jose, uh, on my Facebook, I seen him when he was, had his kids out there. He was golfing. And I had to say, Jose, I remember I used to teach you, uh, took you to golfing clinics and stuff. It's sure good to see you taking your kids to golfing and stuff. He said, hey, man, hey, coach, we used to all get that from you. You used to take us everywhere. Yeah. You'd be surprised of what a kid learns or what, what they are. Just be yourself. Be yourself. Things that you like, things that you know. You'd be surprised what that kid might do. You never know. God puts his hands on. See, all we can do, and remember this, is plant seeds. And we try to plant good seeds from our heart. And however it grows, we just try to nourish the best we can if we can. Yeah. And then let the Lord handle it from there. You can't guard every seed. Yeah. And every seed ain't going to come out right. I got a guy, Chris, told me he did 12 years in the penitentiary. He came up with my kids, came up with my programs and all that. He said, JP, you know I went to the penitentiary after I sell them drugs and stuff. He said, but all the time I was locked up, I'd be telling people all in the penitentiary about you. You was like a dad to me. Mm. He said, I grew up... Uh, and that's all I talked about was you. I said, oh, really? Oh, you spread my name in the penitentiary, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> he said, he said you well, my dad. But when I thought about it, laughed. But I said, I'm sure glad I wasn't teaching him bad things. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I was proud he used my name. Yeah. Because I wasn't teaching him how to be a con. Yeah. I wasn't teaching him how to sell no drugs. Yeah. I wasn't doing nothing slick. I was teaching how to go to school, try to do the right things, you know. Yeah. Is there anything, any closing statements? Anything that you want to just get off your chest to the world? Yes. Uh, I want to be nominated uh, because the kids call me this, and I decide I'm going to keep that name, and I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it. I am the godfather of love in family, in the streets, in communities. Uh, let me see, my family, my street, my community. We, we don't forget no church. Uh, everything I touch, I want to bring the best out of it with good seeds is because that's what the Lord has each and every one of us really to do. Our lives are never over when we think they're over. We think as we raise our kids, my life is over. We think as we get grown, my life is over. As long as we wake up every day, we're supposed to impact someone else to do good things. Because when it's time for you 
to go. The first thing the Lord going to ask you. Uh, how was your job, my friend? What did you do? Oh, I got rich and I got money. Not a good answer. I help and I, I tried to love other people. I tried to care. I wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, you. I, I want to be able to speak and feel good about what I say. Because I think about right today, people look at me, well, Devin's your son. How come you don't have this and have that? That's Devin's money. I blew my little part. I'm just so glad that he's not in jail and begging me and, and, and dragging me and I have to worry about it. I'm glad that he learned how to take care of his family and take care of his business. I made my mistake. I know how to recover. I, I'm, a, I'm a man. I know how to deal with that. Let uh, My things, I'm so glad that he be a man, my daughter be a woman, my nephew be a man, and that's my whole life. Same thing with these thousand kids. As long as I know that them kids are taking care of business and doing positive things, I'm happy. Cool. And that wraps it up. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And I still didn't go over a million uh, different things, but... Uh, that wraps it up for episode 19 <laughs> of that one Vatos podcast. And this is fitting. I always close out my episodes by telling people to stay brown. And this is fitting because I have Mr. Brown with me. <laughs> That's right. So... Stay brown. We're all getting down with James Brown. <laughs>